0: Welcome to the C3 Coffs Harbour podcast. Today's message is a recording from our online service. To join our online church community, visit c3ch.online.church and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the message. So last week we started to um, embark on our journey through the book of Romans. And so we covered a lot of ground. Uh, looking at uh, the history, the context of what was happening um, in Rome around that time that led to Paul writing that. And we looked at how there was uh, uh, unsettlement in in Rome, that the the Jews were kicked out of Rome um, for for a bunch of years. And so then the the Gentile converts took the church on. And then when the, the, the Jews came back, there was tension. And so Paul writes to say, hey, guys. Let's let's just get things clear, right? There is there is a kingdom way of doing things. It's not about uh, Jewish tradition. It's not about Gentile preference. It's about the kingdom of God. And so then then we looked at also um, the, the Protestant Reformation, which now you and I should have a real deep respect and uh, and gratitude for that, because we now uh, are a part of a church and and have discovered faith in Christ. As a result of what um, Martin Luther achieved over 500 years ago um, by protesting against the practices, the corrupt practices of the Roman Catholic Church at the time, and so uh, and so, the the main bulk or the main thrust of of Martin Luther's um, uh, approach was resulted from his study of the Book of Romans, because it is so rich in theology, so rich in truth, it's so rich in how the gospel outworks in the life of people, um, that it was clearly uh, pointing an error towards how the church was functioning then. And so knowing all that context and, and, and how beautiful that is really helps us, uh, I guess, navigate and understand the, the landscape of, uh, of the book of Romans. So we're going to start in uh, the very beginning, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And um, we're going to be doing a Bible study type of preaching for the next little while. So um, make sure you've got your Bibles, got a notepad and a pen, uh, write down any things that jump out at you, what the Scriptures are saying to you. Uh, And so uh, it's going to be a different approach, and I'm going to just pull stuff out um, of the Scriptures that I think are going to be useful and helpful for us. And so um, I just pray that this would be really a fruitful and helpful time for all of us in our understanding of Scripture and God's Word. So Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So right here in the, the opening statement of this, this letter, we see uh, the author is identified. He identifies his position and identifies his mission. So basically, Paul, so I Paul, so I'm introducing myself, here I am, I'm Paul. Um, his position, he's a servant of Christ Jesus, and then his mission, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So, so who is this Paul? Who, who is this Paul that is identifying himself as a, an apostle, as someone who's set apart for the gospel of God? So some of you would be aware of this, some of you may not be, but but Paul wasn't always Paul. Paul originally was had a dramatically different name, um, Saul. And so Saul, uh, Paul's alter ego, he, who he used to be, was uh, a Pharisee. So he was a highly educated Jewish religious leader. Uh, he was very um, educated in the law, the, the Jewish custom, Jewish culture, um, he was highly intelligent um, and, and he's the kind of guy that was really meticulous uh, about the law and about um, ha- how the law should work in Jewish culture. And he would be the kind of guy that would just dot every I and cross every T and make sure that everything was done by the book. He was a stickler. So when, when the church of Jesus Christ started to grow and started to spread, um, he took that quite personally. Um, Because he took that as an offence to his culture, an offence to his religion, because he was a Jew. He was one of God's chosen people. The the, the Jewish people were God's people. And these Christian converts uh, were a threat to the institution because they had crucified Jesus just a few years earlier. And now here they are running over the whole world, spreading the gospel, planting churches uh, and declaring that Jesus was alive and rose from the dead. So Paul took, Saul took it upon himself um, to make it his mission in life to do whatever he could to shut the growth and expansion of the church down, and and he would take whatever um, measures necessary to do so. So he would uh, arrest Christians, he would persecute Christians, he would torture Christians, he would even order the execution and murder of Christians in order to shut down this. Uh, this new religion, this new um, you know, uprising that was happening, which is the, the Christian faith. And so we see in, in Acts chapter 9, uh, Saul's conversion. So Saul is on his way to Damascus, uh, and he's there to continue his murderous rampage of shutting down the church and, 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 and maiming Christians. Um, and so on his way, a, a blinding light from heaven shines down and completely blinds him. And so in his stupor and and confusion, he's like, this is crazy. What's going on? And he hears a voice that just pierces through that light. And this voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Saul's response was, who are you? Who, Who is this? And the voice comes back through again. It is me, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And so to cut a very long story short, for the next three days, Saul is blind, he doesn't eat, he doesn't drink. And then the Lord restores his vision and heals his eyes and then gives Saul a brand new mission. He he basically uh, interferes with Saul in such a way that Saul is converted and has a hundred and eighty degree turnaround. Where once his mission and his mandate was to give whatever he could to shut down the church and maim Christians, now he's giving everything he can to encourage Christians, plant churches, and build the Christian faith all over the world. So he had a dramatic encounter with Jesus himself that converted him out of his Jewish, pharisaical, religious ways and into the way of Jesus, this kingdom way of living where he would then bring the message of hope and peace and faith to all that he would encounter. And so I want to just rewind a little bit in that story because here's what I want to bring out. And I think this is important for us to know. Um, in in the part of the story where where he's blinded on the road to Damascus. And this light the light pierces his eyes and blinds him. And then there's there's this voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul says, Oh, who is this? And, and then the voice again says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now I'm gonna be thinking about this, like, how, how is that possible? Like, at this time in history. Jesus had well and truly been crucified, buried, resurrected, um, ascended to heaven. Uh, The Holy Spirit had poured out at the day of Pentecost and people were out, the, the, the disciples dispersed to spread the gospel. And so a lot of water had passed under that bridge. So it was physically not possible that Saul would have been able to persecute Jesus. Um, they they never met. They never interacted physically. Uh, it's just simply not possible. So so how could Jesus accuse Saul of actually persecuting him when we know that that's not the case at all? Perhaps you know you could stretch it out to go. Oh well, maybe Paul, Saul, is a representation of the Jews, and so the Jews sent Jesus to the cross, and so therefore indirectly Saul's responsible. I don't think that's that's probably the case necessarily. What I would argue, what I would say, and this is what we can, we can draw from this and learn from this, is that, is that Jesus takes our suffering personally. That Saul was going around persecuting, murdering, torturing God's people. And Jesus took it personally. And so when he blinds Saul... And identifies himself, he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So essentially he's saying, all those people you're persecuting, I feel that. I, I feel the weight of that. And, and I'm taking their suffering personally. And that, man, for me that brings me so much comfort and so much hope to know that in my suffering, no matter how um, small and trivial it might be, or no matter how large and painful my suffering might be, when I read these sorts of passages and these sorts of stories, when I, when I understand the Bible and, and the fullness of the narrative that, that it is, I have so much comfort to know that God takes my suffering personally. And, and that's why in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, and we'll get to that in the coming weeks, um, Paul says, "'Don't take revenge, my brothers, "'but leave room for the wrath of God, "'because it is written that vengeance is mine,' says the Lord." Why is vengeance his? Because he takes our suffering personally. And so God wants us to maintain a sweet spirit because if we have a spirit of vengeance, we have a spirit of revenge, then that that breeds in us a spirit of bitterness and we get resentful, we we start to have a spirit of hate inside of us and, and our whole Christian faith is hinged upon. The cornerstone of our faith is forgiveness, right? That God forgives our sins and therefore by his grace alone and our faith alone we can be welcomed into his family because of his forgiveness that he displays before us. So, so we now then, as his image bearers, as his representatives or ambassadors, scripture would call us, we then need to model the very heartbeat of God, the very essence and character of God, which is forgiveness. That, that How can we hold unforgiveness towards somebody else when we ourselves have received the fullness of forgiveness from our Heavenly Father? So, so what Paul is saying here is, hey, when, you, when you're suffering, when you're hurt, when you're offended, when somebody has done something towards you, go, you go to forgiveness. You go to that place where that's going to keep your spirit sweet. And, and then leave place, leave some space for uh, God's wrath to, to resolve that issue. For God's uh, vengeance to be exacted on that situa- situation that we don't need to take our own vengeance into our own hands but trust God. And that's because he loves us so much that he takes um, our suffering personally. Not only does he take our suffering personally, but he took our sin personally. That's the whole reason that Jesus went to the cross. And we we did that through the Easter sermons um, a few weeks ago, looking at uh, the lengths Jesus went to to demonstrate the love that that He and the Father and the Spirit have for us and the lengths they were prepared to go to for us to encounter and experience that love. And so our sin, Jesus takes personally, it was our sin that ultimately nailed him to that cross. And this is this is why I love God so much and and, and why I want People to, to know the fullness of the gospel because it, the more you know the more beautiful God becomes the more loving He is the, the, the more you fall in love with His nature and His character because He takes our sin personally which is why Jesus went to the cross He takes our suffering personally which is why He says hey, keep a sweet spirit let, let there be room for my wrath I will sort it out because I will take it personally on your behalf and sort that issue out you just keep your spirit sweet but not only that He takes our generosity and our kindness personally. And we read in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 35 to 40, um, where uh, Jesus says to his disciples, Hey, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was homeless, you gave me somewhere to stay. And the disciples were like, When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or naked or homeless? Like, what what are you talking about, Jesus. And then Jesus says this most profound thing. He says, "What you do for the least of these you do unto me." That when we take when we when we're kind, when we're compassionate, when we're generous, when we're outward focused towards our fellow man, God takes it personally. Why? Is because God personally created us in his image. And so God takes us personally because we reflect his image. So when we are hurt He hurts for us and He will exact revenge on our behalf. When we are uh, are blessing and rejoicing, He will reward us and bless us through our generosity because He is thanking us for taking care of another one of His image bearers. And so then, that's why we can see Paul writes in Galatians that um, we shouldn't grow weary in doing good. Um, uh, For in due season, we will reap a harvest If we don't give up, because God takes our generosity personally. God takes our goodness and our kindness personally. So don't grow weary in doing good. Every time we do good, every time we're generous, every time we're obedient to God and sacrificial and giving and outward focused, um, there, there is going to be a reward for that. There's going to be a harvest for that, because God is taking every one of those seed that we sow personally. And if we don't give up, therefore... Let us, as we have opportunity, to do good to all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. God takes people personally because he personally made them in his image and in his likeness. So going back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul has been set apart for the gospel of God. What is the gospel? Well, the short answer is the gospel is good news. And that's the good news that Jesus has saved us and made a way for us by his sacrifice on the cross. And that is, in short, the good news. But it's so much bigger than that. it, It is that and more and then some. It's the good news of our salvation. And our new life that we get, we have. It's the gospel is the good news of our sanctification and our growth and our maturity. The, the gospel is the the good news of God's presence in our life, with which brings protection and brings provision. It's the good news of God's peace and God's hope that lives and resides inside of us. The gospel is the the good news of of eternity and paradise that God is preparing for us on the other side of this life. That we we get life after life in. Uh, in him, and so Paul is set apart for the gospel, and you and I, when we choose to have faith in God, we become set apart for the gospel, that, that, that we, we have a, a reformation of sorts in our own life, where we stop following the pleasures of our, our flesh, we stop following the, the ways of this world, and we start to follow the kingdom of God's Son, because Jesus has made a way for us. The good news is that Jesus came to this earth to demonstrate God's love for us, to reveal God's plan for us, and to show us how we ought to live this life that He has given to us, that we are set apart for the gospel. And so my question to you and to me today is, are you set apart for the gospel? Are you living your life in such a way that others would know that there's something different about you. That you're not living for self or living living for your own pleasure, but you're living to glorify God and for the good of other people that ultimately results in in your joy. And so today, as we close this this message, um, I want to extend an invitation to you today. If you've never um, made a commitment to follow Jesus, um, or maybe you have and, and you've walked away for whatever reason, um, I just want to say today that it's it's a chance for you to come home. It's a chance for you to um, realize that your life is is meant for more, that, that, that God is calling you to a life set apart for the gospel, a life set apart for eternity, a life set apart for God's blessing. Um, you don't need to fight anymore for yourself. Um, there is so much freedom that comes with, with being a follower of Jesus or, or a child of God, the Bible would say. And that freedom is, is that assurance that we don't have to avenge ourselves because God takes our suffering personally, that we don't have to worry where uh, things are going to come from if we are generous because God will take our generosity personally and He will bless us every time that we are generous and, and that we have full assurance of our eternity um, because Jesus took our sin personally And was nailed to the cross to make a way for us to, by faith alone and through grace alone, encounter um, a relationship with our loving Father in heaven. And in Romans chapter two, we'll get there in the coming weeks. But it talks about it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's God's kindness and love that leads us to a place of encountering Him and having a relationship with Him. And so, right now, we're going to pray. And if that's you, and you need to cross that line of faith. And, and, and leave the old behind and, and take a hold of the new that God has for you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Or if you're coming back to faith in God and you've, you've walked away and, and you know that you know, you've, got to get, you've got to get stuff right, you've got to do business with God today, um, would you pray this prayer with me as well? Let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you that you love us so much and you demonstrate that love for us by sending your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. You demonstrate your love for us that you, uh, you take our suffering personally. You, you demonstrate your love for us by taking our generosity and our kindness towards others personally. Lord, that you will protect us and you will provide for us, that that's how much you love us. So today, Lord, we choose to follow you. We choose to, to leave behind the sin of yesterday and step forward into the freedom of life you have for us today. Lord, we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. And we thank you that we will never, ever be the same again as we choose to walk out this life for you, as we choose to be set apart for the gospel, the good news of Jesus at work in us. We thank you right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you've prayed that prayer um, for the first time or you're coming back to God and you've recommitted your life, um, there's a little button just in the chat bar now that will pop up that says, I commit my life to Jesus. Would you please click that button? And and not just click that button, but would you also put in a prayer request, like a live prayer thing, so that that we can uh, pray with you, we can know who it is that's making decisions today, and we can get around you and love you and encourage you in your walk with God. So uh, we would love to do that with you today. Hey, but God bless you. Thank you for being with us uh, at Online Church today. And we're going to just enter into one more time of worship together. So let's close our eyes, let's be expectant, and let's encounter God together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our online services, visit c3ch.online.church and come say hi on Facebook and Instagram.